right, everybody. Welcome back to Forbidden Cinema. Hello. I'm Zach. I'm Jenny. And today we're going deeper on adventures in babysitting. Going deeper, for those of you that are just joining us, is basically when we have a few questions we leave at the end of the episode, and I go insane and spend a <laughs> week going down internet K-holes trying to get deeper than anybody has ever wanted to get on these things. <laughs> in particular, this film. Uh, this is a film... A lot of people like from their childhood. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody has done a lot of in-depth scholarship on this film, so we might be the world's leading experts on this movie. Let me get get to get to a plaque um, <laughs> leading expert on adventures and babysitting. You didn't think there was going to be much on this. I really didn't. I said that three or four times during mm -hmm. the episode that we really well. I I was wrong. <laughs> We're probably going to have to cut parts out. Oh wow! Okay. <laughs> So you wanted to talk first about um, about Chris getting bratted by Bradley Whitford. Yeah, basically. I mean, I kind of thought about this. Out, I thought about it during the movie. But so, you know, Brad has a crush on Chris. He's 15. She's 17. She's like, oh, you're a child. You're a child. She says it a bunch. And that's painful um, when you, you know, he's he's wearing like a, a Letterman jacket. I think he does something, um, you know, so he's kind of like trying to become a Probably like volleyball or track, not something cool. Do, hey, hey, <laughs> <laughs> probably track. A lot of people get track. Yeah. Um, but then, so... Hey, my band jacket wasn't that cool either. So. <laughs> I, I never had one. So I, I had like a really like, you know, slick, shiny dance jacket. There you go. You know, um, for Mrs. De Miss Debbie's school of dance. You still have your sweatshirt. <laughs> but that's different. That's, that's a, a different one, one. Though, right? Yeah, I didn't... Okay. No, it's not a new one. No, oh, that's, that's, that's vintage. That's vintage. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's that's original. But I don't think I had a shiny one of those shiny jackets for that studio. Gotcha, gotcha. I just had it for the one that I we did the Christmas parade. So okay. we all had like the the uh, the matching jackets, um, like like pink ladies, but I think they were blue. Um, so yeah. But so, you know, he goes through that. She thinks that she's cool and sophisticated because she's got this older boyfriend and, and the Brad and Daryl are trying to tell her, you know, he's really a douchebag. Like, really, really. I mean, obviously, so cool. They were, like, casted. Um, <laughs> but he does the same thing to her. You know, she – he – he breaks the date. She finds out he's at the restaurant with – who knows how old this other person is. She's she's definitely over made up to make her look older. I, I don't know if she's really truly older. But he does the same thing. He's like, you know, you're 17. Like, you're – First of all, you're not going to put out, which is rude. Is it like locked together at the knees or, or something, something like that? that. Yeah, that's, icky. that's rude. Um, that implies like some sort of attempted it, 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 prying. Exactly, it does. It uh. does. Um, but even then, like he does the same thing to her. He's like, "Oh, that's cute. You think you're like all womanly and worldly, and like I'm, I'm 19. So <laughs> we're just, we're just doing the the." the two-year jump and and that's exactly how you feel 15 17 and 19 like you know that's a baby and 19 to 15 is a baby like the 17 is like eh, in the middle but still you don't know anything yet <laughs> but so i think you know she obviously proves herself as someone to be uh content you know contented with during all of this um but yeah, I think she gets a little bit of her own medicine because she is she's a she realizes and gets a little bit more compassion and empathy for the situation that he's in. Um, so I think that's a takeaway from this too. <laughs> so if it were 1989 and you're casting the pilot 
for the television show, which is available on YouTube, by the way. They did this. They tried to make this a television show. There's a pilot. Yes. What in the world would they do every single episode? I have no idea. The pilot episode. The girl's still into Thor. The two guys are trying to meet girls. One of the girls wears a bra, and that's a big plot point. Okay. Uh, they end up going out somewhere and they end up in the middle of a bank robbery and escaping into the sewer <laughs> and uh, this is not sustainable no, no no they cannot like have an adventure every week no this is the pilot was not picked up it, it's too much it's too much but so who would i cast as chris um i don't know any of the actors except for the two guys the brad and daryl they're the only ones that i know okay in 1989, are we talking about some sort of like Charles in Charge situation? Uh, not really, no. Um, Brad is Joey Lawrence. Okay. Uh, an 89 Joey Lawrence. This is not a 90s Joey Lawrence. Right, this is a, this is a pre-woe. Yes, pre-woe. And um, Daryl is Brian Austin Green, self-employed. Ah. So. Uh, uh, Mr. X, Megan Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Post, not Post Malone, sorry. Machine Gun Kelly Jr. Right. <laughs> the trial run. Machine Gun Kelly's trial run. Right. Uh, yeah. But yes, I've watched it and it's unwatchable. So I'm not going to subject you to it. It is terrible. Cool. Um, so we got to do diverse representation. And has anybody mentioned this? Whatever. Actually, at the movies, Siskel and Ebert talked about diverse representation oh, in this movie. There, I guess they're from Chicago, Chicago okay. Tribune Times or whatever. Oh, that's true. And um, so they kind of got into it. Kind of, they kind of were the same place we were. That we kind of think that uh, Joe Gib. It's Joe Gip, actually, not Joe Gib. Wait, say that again. It's Joe Gip, not Joe Gib. Gip with yes, a P. Gip with a P. Pop that P. Pop the P. Okay. They kind of think that, you know, Joe Gipp is kind of a positive whatever, but that, you know, kind of going into the the Black South uh, side blues club and that kind of being a threatening situation just because of what it is, is maybe a problem. And they're kind of like, I'm not really sure how to go with it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Everyone's stymied. Um, yeah, I mean, Joe you know, Gipp, that makes it sound like that's not like his full name. Like that's like a nickname. Mm-hmm. I've never heard the name Gip. Before. I actually looked up a, that's why I was looking up our coat of arms before right before recording. So and, you were uh, looking up and, and Gip is the a Gip family name. Yes, the Gip family name is a uh, Scottish tradition that then moved into Ireland and then into the United States in the in the 1800s. So it sounds like he and um, Sean Connery as a as a Highlander could be related. Yes, they could. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Uh, so I did find a Guardian article. That was kind of critical of it. Okay. Saying that there's a kind of trope of scary black person teaches white kid about real life. And said, see also weird science and risky business. Mm, okay. So we really liked, uh, I don't even remember her name in risky business. We really liked her though. We thought that they treated her with more respect than they would have treated the first. They uh, did. What the was sec- her name? That she called, that they, they Jackie. Calls. Jackie. Jackie. Yeah. Yeah. We really thought they treated her better than the 80s would normally treat somebody. But still, that's. It's a scale. Yeah. It's not. It, yeah. It's not perfect. And then uh, Microcosmic Movies wrote that it's a big uh, scene of white flight and that, you know, the white people have kind of largely moved into the suburbs. Yeah. I definitely think that that's was, I mean, the fact that it's like. The way they position the, the the city as if it's like this beast all of its right. own is kind crazy. Of post post World War Two GI Bill, the GIs were mm-hmm. able to kind of afford suburban housing, and um, also uh, concern that they 
met the real world head on and then headed back into the suburbs. Hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, where else were they weren't going to say like, now we live here. Now we, yeah, exactly. Like, let's, let's we're go. taking over the chop shop. Yeah. That would be hilarious. That actually would be <laughs> like the opening of a Grand Theft Auto or something. <laughs> now they're part of the family. <laughs> now they just keep adding on. Yeah, like we we that that could be a series. There we um, go. Yeah, there's <laughs> you know Joe Gipp is taking over the chop shop and and you know. Chris is now his new head executioner. <laughs> right, right. Daryl now now Daryl is out boosting cars. Exactly. Joe Joe doesn't have to boost the cars anymore. He gets to he gets to make the notes on the Playboys. <laughs> <laughs> I like the redistribution of power. Yes. Uh, so we talked about uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Yes. And Full Metal Jacket came out the same year. How much weight did he put on? Eighty pounds for Full oh, Metal Jacket. Dang. That was actually filmed before this. He, so he lost. He lost eight. all of that weight before this. Whoa! Yeah. Wow. That is huge. It's, I mean, it's that, huge. That's, that's that's so bad for your body. All these people who do this, they really want Oscars. They want Oscars so bad. They're he has like, a lot of interviews, though. That I mean, well, I guess you know. First of all, I think Kubrick is kind of famously a nightmare to work with, and twenty, right. fifty, a hundred takes. And I guess he really would like when Arlie Emery was slapping him, like, do the take again, do the take again, do the take again, slap him harder, do the take again, mm-hmm. do the take again. And, you know, not not a good dude. But no, he just... Great movies, but not a good dude. Just whatever for the art. Yeah. But he says that, you know, that there's a real difference in, in a lot of interviews that, you know, he noticed he gained 80 pounds in three months or so, mm-hmm. and people would treat him like he was stupid. Interesting. Interesting. I mean... I, I'm sure that that's the case. I mean, you're you're not being cast when they make you do that. They're not casting you to be the, the most, the sexiest, the smartest, the you know the person that everyone's looking up to. So I mean, there's definitely I'm sure some you know the casting versus the actor you know some crossover in the way people perceive it. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's about really all I have to say about Vincent D'Onofrio, unless there's anything. He didn't say where he got that wig? No, no. <laughs> he is actually playing the Kingpin now, though. I don't know if you're familiar enough with Marvel lexicon to know the Kingpin. I did know that he he was becoming part of the Marvel Universe. I did know that. I watched a lot of his... Um, was he criminal on Law Minds? He was, was Criminal he in, Minds. Or was he law, one of the Law and Orders? He, it was, or one of the it was Law CSIs and Order or... Criminal Intent? Okay, that that's you could be completely making that up, but it sounds really real. I think that's right. <laughs> I think that's right. He, he was not with What was their jam? They're not sex based crimes. They're not there's no uh no iced tea. No, that's there's SVU. No like just random old white guys doing the standard stuff. No. What's criminal intent? What's their I think they're masterminds. I think that he had some sort of he might have I don't know what his character was trying to portray. His character was trying to portray someone that maybe was smarter but had some social issues. Um, And so he could, like, maybe kind of deduce a little bit better. Not, like, magic or anything like that. Like, he was psych or something. But I think that's what he brought. I don't remember the crimes, though. Like, why they were different or special. I mean, maybe regular law and order is, like, robbery. And, you know, maybe criminal intent is, like, murder. More murder. More, like... 
grand schemes, gotcha, masterminds. Gotcha, masterminds. Um, and then SVVU is, you masterminds know. Masterminds, not a word you hear is very often anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that other one from that underwear goes inside the pants. Right, yeah. Uh, Greg, what's his face? Uh, Greg Giraldo. Pour one out for our homie. Was he our homie? Was he really? Not really, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> that, that song was really important. If you haven't heard it, go listen to it. What is it? Couch surf, couch potatoes, elevator. I don't know. I don't, I don't remember the we'll, band's name. We'll throw it. We'll throw it in the the whatever. Yeah, the underwear goes inside the pants. It's Greg it, Giraldo bits and some like moody electronic music. It was when that really popular, like when Baz Luhrmann did that for like the graduation, like a lot of like comedy slash spoken word slash music mix up. You know, we, we were trying some things out in the nineties, and then we were like, <laughs> nah, that didn't really work. It was important when we were first started to date. Yeah, it was so. funny. So the uh, the lady of the episode is going to be uh, Dolores Lala Brooks. I could not wait to call you on this because you're like, it's the Ronettes or something doing, and then he kissed me. Yeah. And then I listened to the episode, and you're like, it's the Ronettes, or, or maybe it's the Crystals. Like, Son of a, it's the Crystals. Uh, I know. I'm pretty good <laughs> at my 60s girl groups. I know a lot of them. So what do you know about the relationship of the Crystals and the Ronettes. I don't. I don't know if the Crystals were part of the Phil Spector sound machine. Um, that's not as fun as the Gloria Estefan in the sound machine. No. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. A lot more a lot more weird wigs and um, guns, I think. Um, I don't really know, honestly. Okay. Well, they were a uh, – the Crystals were a girl group. They kind of went through a big lineup change. I think one was uh, – had a lot of stage fright and kind of just – and one got pregnant and kind of aged out. Mm-hmm. And so they brought in some new people. Right about the time uh, Carol King wrote a song for him, he hit me and it felt like a kiss. I've – that. I've in, heard it, that song, and I've heard it talked about. In 1962, Carol that song King was... Carole King wrote that song? Yes. Ugh. Yeah, in 1962, that song was kind of like a, no, this is not okay. When, when, when domestic abuse is not okay in 62, I, mean, I think it's it, it's still legal to beat your wife and children in 1962 in most states. It is... I think it was legal until like the, the 90s here. I, I think, what, 1998, it finally became possible to rape someone that lived in the same house as you. That's, Guys, oh. Tennessee is a little behind the times on some stuff. Oh, y'all. And oh, don't even... Just don't even Google why we're behind the times this week. <laughs> Lord. So needless to say, that was a huge flop. That song? That song was a huge flop, yes. Well, I'm glad. I'm <laughs> glad know, people didn't I just know. like, that was amazing. Let's like let's let's start wearing beauty black eyes. <sighs> but so they go back to New York to kind of lick their wounds, and Spectre is still Spectre is producing the song and producing all their records. Mm-hmm. And he's ready to go. He doesn't want to wait on them to get back to LA to record. So he gets the Blossoms to record a song called He's a Rebel. I'm sure you'd know it if you he's heard it. He's a rebel if he's never done any good. He's a rebel. Like, just because he doesn't do what everybody else does, that doesn't mean something. I shouldn't give him all my love. Yes. Because he knew that in two months, Vicky Carr was releasing her version of the song. And so he wanted the Crystals version out first. And he releases the Crystals version of He's a Rebel. By the Blossoms? Without the, without the Crystals are not in it. He's a nut. That is wild. Uh, think back to a time. When there'd be two artists racing to record a song and release it first. Oh, I can think totally of a time, and it involves Mr. Nicolas Cage. Ha ha. With his best hair, 
slash worst hair, however you want to see it. Do we we do believe and I'm we're not the originators of this idea that like, the Nicolas Cage movie, the quality of the movie is disproportionately <laughs> to the type of what his hair looks like. So Con Air, you've got How Do Very I Live? Hair. You've got How Do I Live by I believe um oh dang, this is by two artists, by two female country artists. Right. We have the original version by Leanne Rimes, I think. But she was sixteen or seventeen at the time. Uh, which was, a version. I don't I don't know if she's the originator was it of Miranda that. Lambert, maybe. Um I will I will find this. Okay. Who's the one that's married to the guy with the goatee and all the Budweiser signs? Oh, that's not enough for that's me. That's not okay. <laughs> Where where do you think we're from? <laughs> Is that enough to, to differentiate us? Are you talking about Kid Rock? Are you talking about... No, 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 like the one that actually has like neon Budweiser signs like with him and his cowboy hat and his goatee. He's like the boot in her ass for the US of A or whatever. Is that Toby Keith? Toby Keith, yeah. I don't... Is he married I, to somebody? No, Miranda Lambert used to be married to dude that's now with Gwen Stefani. Oh, that, no, that's completely... That's not what I was thinking about. Right, then. Okay. right. Sorry, never mind. Okay, Mo- <laughs> moving on, moving on. Um, so the lead singer of... The uh, the crystals couldn't hit the didn't have the range for he's a rebel so that's when Dolores Dolores Lala Brooks took over as the lead singer. That's it. You're out. Because, like you're you're out because you can't sing the song that you guys recorded that you guys didn't actually record. Well, I mean that's kind of a thing. Trisha Yearwood. Trisha Yearwood. Who's married to Garth Brooks? To Garth Brooks. Okay, I knew she was married to somebody. I thought it was Trisha Yearwood, but I. But I also knew she did the song in Hope Floats, and I couldn't remember. Gotcha, yeah. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. So Trisha Yearwood and Leanne Rhymes both like jockeying for the same song. True '90s Con Air, uh, the worst Southern accent. <laughs> That's also part of it too. How bad is Nicolas Cage's accent in the movie too? So we have the Venn next... diagram. It's my opportunity to make a Nicolas Cage Venn diagram. All right, all right. We were looking at this. Isn't there like a party game of Venn diagrams? Yeah, I think it's dirty, right? Yeah, I think so. There might be a not dirty version of it, but what's, Who, what, where's what, the fun that's in that? It's no fun. That's like getting... playing code names normal. I mean, <laughs> well, code names normal is actually playable. Code names dirty is just like the same. <laughs> it's just the same words. It's like you can't even guess it. They're all the same. <laughs> uh, so the next song, "Let's Dance the Screw." I don't know if you've heard of that one. I don't Let's think Dance so. The no. Screw. Uh, nobody actually talks about. Who recorded that song? So we have no idea who's actually singing on that on that uh, song. Maybe it's Phil Spector. I don't know. I think there's maybe some some legal issues about it, and so nobody's going on record. <laughs> next song, "Do Do Ron Ron." Yeah, pretty big hit. Yes. And then their next song, and then he kissed me. So I, that, that's some bangers yeah. right next to each other. Yes. Um, eventually, I think they went back to New York, and Spector just sort of got bored with waiting on them to come back to L.A. and started recording with the Ronettes and kind of just locked them out of the studio. Lots of issues, article, lawsuits about royalties and who wrote what and who produced what, and and they just never worked together again. Yeah, and that makes sense. And he loves he loves locking women in things and out of things. That's Ugh. very much part of his jam. So... Um, Anything else you have to say about that? Nope. I would say the fact of the episode might be, have we talked about on the thing or just in our cars and in bed and whatnot, talking about Little Shop of Horrors? I mean, we've talked about Little Shop of Horrors. Have we talked about it on the, on the podcast? I don't think so, no. Okay. Well, it, it's it's one of, you know, a favorite of ours. Mm-hmm. And it was one of a very early date of ours was going to see it on uh, at our local theater here. 
Do you remember what the names of the three cor- Greek chorus are? Oh, I don't know. It's Chiffon, Crystal, and Ronette. Got it. So it, the Chiffons, the, the Crystals, crystals and, the and the Ronettes. Ronettes yes. Yeah, that's great. Which the night that we went to see it live, there's a huge flu outbreak going on. This is way decades pre-COVID. But they started out with two <laughs> and one girl singing two parts of the thing. And by act two, they were, they were down to one. So she was singing her ass off. I think she was an understudy as well. She was an understudy and so she was singing all three parts. So way to go. Whoever, whatever your name was, however many years ago at TPAC, you brought the house down that night. Get it, girl. <laughs> so best I can tell, Le Pot Bleu was never a thing. <laughs> So funny and so dumb, so fancy. Um, the Silver Dollar Room mm-hmm. has a long and storied history. I kind of mentioned the door going into. Is the it stage. Chicago or is it in? Um, uh, it is in uh, Toronto. Toronto. Okay. I really felt like it was kind of a Skulls Rainbow Room kind mm-hmm. of situation. It is so much a Skulls Rainbow Room slash uh, hotel. Oh, it's a hotel in Atlanta. Oh, the Claremont. The Claremont. It is so much like that. Cool. It is uh, next to the Hotel Waverly. It's kind of the ballroom attached to it. Okay. Hotel Waverly, not a good time. It was kind of a seedy place. Uh, James Earl Ray lived there for most of his adult life. Oh, and oh, I did. I li- literally just listened to something. I, I did know he was in Canada for a while. But uh, so in it opened January first of nineteen fifty eight. And it was in continuous operation until 2017. Wow. It's actually been demolished. They're repurposing the whole building into kind of a commercial mixed-use development. As they do. Yeah, they are hoping to reopen something with that name in it, though. That'd so be cool. a bit of a bummer that it's gone. Uh, huge, huge prostitution bust at the club in 1987 when this movie came out. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, because it... They probably didn't care. The reason there was a bust is they knew they were going to film a movie. <laughs> right. <laughs> they were right. like, needed to clear it out. But, you know, kind of just known for being just sort of a seedy jazz room, blues room. I mean, everybody has played there. You know, very similar to Skull's Rainbow Room in here in cool. town where you're seeing a stage that Bob Dylan and the Rolling Stones and you know, just everybody has been on at one time. Uh, Elmore Leonard wrote about it in one of his books. Are you familiar with Elmore Leonard? I know the name. I'm not. I know he's – wait. He wrote the books that would become Get Shorty, okay. Out of Sight, Jackie Brown, Got and it. The Justified TV Show. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So he wrote, try to come along, Spadden Avenue, see that goddamn silver dollar sign, hundreds of light bulbs in your face, and not be drawn in there. Love it. I, I really <laughs> feel That's like great. he gave it a pretty good obituary. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about this jacket. I'm trying to even remember why we were talking about it. It was the party, and there's all this stitching and all sorts of metallic. Oh, detailing. the frat party, the frat party. Yeah. Um. I mean, so I mean, I found a couple. I didn't find like the one that I had. And I literally think. Sorry, hold on a second. Just looking up. Uh. The song I overrode my. Oh, <laughs> my gotcha. Uh, uh, oh, time to figure out if it's a back button or if it's another browser tab. I think it's a back button sitch. Okay. All right. So 
So we're talking to the cocktail party. Every woman in there has the exact same sort of stitching in metallic on her gown. Well, it's all brocade. Yeah. But so kind of like this. Do you remember jackets like this? I do. I would not have ever had a moment to think about a jacket like that. I had one that had more like kind of like a mauve, which is very much a color that represents the late 80s and early 90s. Um, if Yeah, if you wanted to be fashionable, you wore mauve, navy, and your bold green. Um, but yeah, mine had like a star kind of brocade. like So very much that kind of pattern on the back, but it was... All of, yeah, there were there are tons of these, but that that kind of look of you know metallic nylon, um, you know it's like a windbreaker. I'm sure I'll I'll post a picture on the social media so that you guys can, um, and I'll even post this one so you can buy one on Poshmark if you want. It's there available. <laughs> Feeling feel feel that throwback vibes. So the last uh, location that we talked about was the Pancake Creations. Yes. Uh, Mammy's Restaurant. Mammy's. It, it has been closed for quite some time Aww. now. Yeah. I was actually able to find a menu for sale from 1972. Well, what were the Pancake Creations? That's all I want to know. The pancake Creations are really pretty much like inter- – or not International House of Pancakes. Sorry. Like, like Pancake Pantry. It's buckwheat pancakes or pancakes with – apples or pancakes with blueberries or pancakes okay. with chocolate chips Still, or I'm not silver dollar pancakes I, I could go or for some corn cornmeal pancakes Ooh, yeah some cornmeal pancakes it really i mean there's lots of lots and lots and lots and lots this is 72 so it's not an 87 menu every salad they have has so much cottage cheese Ew. Like cottage cheese and a fruit or cottage cheese and some <laughs> jello or cottage cheese and some salmon or cottage cheese and some tuna or cottage just so many cottage cheeses gross and so many of their sandwiches are like ham salad egg salad salmon salad i do like some of the salads though my grandmother used to make a lot of the salads that was always the thing so we would drive in um my my grandparents lived in Central Florida, so in the summertime we would drive from you know the Nashville area there. So it usually was two days. We usually split it up, and the night we got there, there was always it was either ham salad or a tuna salad. Um, that's what was in her. I guess that's some like something my dad really liked. So she made that every single time. That was like our evening, you know, after driving for a long long day, um, we we had some tuna salad or ham salad. That yep. sounds. Horrible. It's <laughs> really good. I remember liking it. We never did egg salad, though. Cramped in a car with six people for 14 hours. Let's eat tuna salad now. Mm, mm, mm. No, I'm not feeling it. Well, we weren't eating it in the car with all those people. I guess. I guess. Yeah, like, that's like the person that brings the, the salmon on a plane. Like, come on, people. What's well, like the person who microwaves fish? <laughs> at, at, I mean, I eat fish, leftover fish, cold and on you a eat salad. that crab like, cold. All the time, yeah, the, every, twice a week. You bring salad, you bring salmon to work, and you're eating it cold. Sorry. I, of course, it's on a salad too. Like, why would you want hot salmon? That's that I, I can't understand that. When You've you got get a, a real problem with warm chicken or warm on a, uh, salad? On a salad. I do. It just ruins <laughs> everything. Um, but no, like, we, yeah, we would have that, and my my grandmother always it was like there were you know you could make it a sandwich, you could have it. There's macaroni and cheese too. There was like the traditional. In the mac and cheese, can you know the same bowl that we have now? Yes. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, it's made. Bowl. That's the macaroni and cheese bowl, and just bread, just bread on the table, <laughs> and butter, straight bread and butter. <laughs> so, next thing I wanted to get into is what some of the actors have been doing. Some of the lesser known actors, some of the ones that I didn't really recognize all okay. that much. Um, 
Anthony Rapp, we kind of went into him being original cast member from Rent, and that's mm-hmm. pretty much what he's been doing for the last 20 years. It's uh, a good gig. I mean, fantastic voice. He's got one of my favorite lines that I was singing in the garage last night <laughs> <laughs> from La Vie Boheme. And uh, he was, and this is, got to give the guy props, pretty brave thing to do. He was the first of the Kevin Spacey accusers. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, wow. That's got to be tough as a guy to, I mean, he's a bisexual man, but mm-hmm. still as a man to come out and accuse one of the most powerful men I had no men idea. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it was, a, it was a post-Me Too world, so there right. other people but were, still, it was happening. I but that's a huge thing. I mean. But once he did, then like 20 others came out immediately and followed him. Like, no, 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 this guy's not crazy. This is a predator. That's good. Good yeah. for him. Um, we have George Newburn, Dave or Dan or whatever his name is, the frat guy. You said that he was maybe the guy from Father of the Bride and maybe the guy they bug bomb. Yes. He's exactly the guy from Father of the Bride and the guy they bug Yay! bomb in Friends. I called it. <laughs> you got him so much. <laughs> Do you remember what they called him before they met him on Friends? Um, I mean, he was hairy. Like he had a beard and stuff. I don't. The episode where he premieres is the one with the Yeti. <laughs> the Yeti. <laughs> yes, they bug bomb the Yeti in their in their <laughs> storage area. <laughs> is he? Oh, I can't remember from Stephanie Plum the abominable. The, oh yeah, <laughs> the abominable snowman or whatever. Yeah, Lula's. Yes, <laughs> Snow Yeti. Uh, so Calvin Levels, Joe Gibb, not Gibb. Works mostly in theater. Uh, he was in the movie The Point of No Return with I'm... Bridget Fonda. That's one I used to want to see a lot. I think it was maybe advertised on a VHS that I had. Mm-hmm. And it looked so cool. It's a remake of La Femme Nikita. Oh, okay. And we've watched in film class kind of some side-by-sides of this shots in La Femme Nikita versus the shots in it. And every one of them is trash compared to La Femme Nikita. So it it is Aww. forbidden cinema, but I don't know if it's worth it. We could just That's watch La Femme Nikita instead. And... I wonder him and Daryl are, are friends, like theater friends, theater buddies. <laughs> um, he is in the movie Hellbound with Chuck Norris. I don't think I've seen that one. I've seen like a lot of clips of a lot of Chuck Norris, but this is Hellbound. This one where they're Detroit cops. And uh, they're investigating a murder, and it turns out it's the devil, and so they have to karate kick the devil. Oh, no, I have not <laughs> seen that. Karate kick the devil. Well, just beat the devil with karate. I don't know if they, I don't, I have not seen this film. Uh, I have been assured by every review that I've read that it is absolute garbage. That uh, sounds like, that sounds like a prayer at a NASCAR race. <laughs> it, it sort of does. <laughs> Like, this is the kind of thing they do before they storm the Capitol. Um, Ugh, yes, yeah, that's true. Sorry. That that was their war cry. That they're exactly <laughs> they're going to karate kick the devil. <laughs> oh man, uh, this film was—I wouldn't want to say it killed the Cannon Group, but it was the final nail in the coffin of the Cannon Group. The Cannon Group was loosey goosey. Um, I Monster was their first major hit with Christopher Lee, which, if you've not seen it, is fantastic. Okay. Um, one of their early movies, Hot T-Shirts, sort of introduced suburban USA into the concept of a wet T-shirt contest. It's an the entire... movie is called Hot T-Shirts? Yes. This is years before Hot Dog the Movie, which is a ski movie, which kind of really publicized 
the the wet t-shirt contest is a thing. I mean, they've been happening since the 70s. Mm-hmm. But this movie in 1980, you know, about a, a bar that's about to be shut down. So they have a wet t-shirt contest to save the to day. To save the day. Okay. Yeah. Hot t-shirt. That's the dumbest. It's, yeah. Sorry. It just, sorry. That's, it. that's like a Mad Lib. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Enter the Ninja, which you have actually, I made you watch I know I've of. seen Enter the Ninja, yes. Break in and break into Electric Boogaloo. Okay, yes. Sword of the Valiant. Have you ever seen that? I don't think so. It's Gawain and the Green Knight, which I guess just came back out. Right. And there's a new version of it. With Dev Patel, right? Absolutely just gorgeous to watch. This one has Sean Connery as the Green Knight. Sean Connery. I saw that one late night on like you know, TBS or something, and it it held my attention when I was Sean nine. Connery really has... He's like a duck, right? Like things just like slide off him. Like there's all this like shitty movies he's done. Oh, he's but nobody, done so much garbage. But nobody remembers that he's James Bond and he's he's uh, Indiana Jones's dad. Exactly, and that's it. Like nobody remembers all these dumbass. He's in movies. Highlander, and just because I love Highlander doesn't mean I don't appreciate that it's trash. <laughs> like I feel like people will just like show stills of him from that movie and like. There he is. He's, you know? he's in that movie with that weird red red bikini thing. Oh, with the red thing. diaper thing. Right. Uh, I mean, like it, Zardoz. Yeah, Zardoz. And people were like, "Ah, that's hilarious." And <laughs> just keep moving on. Like crazy Sean Connery. You could never be in that many bad movies now. No, you would be over. I appreciate it. I appreciate his his ability to just just do more. I mean, I, I feel like there's about 15 years post James Bond where his way of reading a script is like what are they paying me <laughs> what are they paying me what am i wearing um what's the breast situation uh, yeah <laughs> like, are there any foreign ladies that i haven't slept with yet right. in this film <laughs> he calls them all money penny michael kane was doing the same thing at this time Maybe, but much, much more British, much more like nebbishy and like. Oh, oh he was Jamaican by this. I mean. Oh, well, you're talking about Sean Connery. Sean Con- yeah, Sean Connery right. was Jamaican by now. He wasn't Scottish anymore. Right. But I mean, like Michael Caine, he's, he was still embarrassed about it. <laughs> he still dropped his glasses and fumbled over himself. <laughs> yeah, he had, the, he had the, the good taste not to seem like he was cool, you know. <laughs> So we have Cobra and Over the Top, two classic. Uh, I've Stallone seen both films. of those. Yes, Death Warrant and Cyborg, two of the early. Uh, I can't even talk today. Early Jean Claude Van Damme movies. Okay, I've made you watch some of Cyborg. Yeah, I think I've. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Cyborg is the movie they made after they lost the rights to He Man to make a sequel to Masters of the Universe, which they also made. Which I love, Masters of the Universe. This I, is not a good movie, but it's enjoyable. Yeah, I, I it's love. Cor- that. It's a Courtney Cox. Uh, which we yeah we said we just watched Scream we just saw the new Scream so bring in it but yeah Cyborg is they lost the rights to the character and ha- like had already spent two million dollars making props and costumes for the movie <laughs> <laughs> and so like all right we'll put Jean Claude Van Damme in and pretend he's a robot and beep bop beep boop <laughs> yeah that movie's garbage <laughs> missing in action which are kind of three Chuck Norris kind of going in and. Like, you know, Rambo couldn't really solve the Vietnam situation, so they had to ch- send Chuck Norris in, and he handled it. Well, you got to wear tight jeans. <laughs> and the American Ninja franchise. Okay. So one of my all-time plot They're garbage movies. Oh, they're so boy, bad. when I was eight, they were so cool. They're so bad. But yeah, so, that, so thanks, uh, Calvin Levels and Chuck Norris. You killed all of that. Are we really? I mean... 
let, let it lie where it is. Just <laughs> love it as it is. It didn't need to, to proceed any further. But uh, he's currently performing in a solo play about uh, playwright and civil rights activist James Baldwin. Oh. And his personal cell phone number is actually on his website on the internet. So <laughs> I did not call, but I don't know if it still works. It's about four years ago. Is this our first interview? I don't know. Maybe we'll have to think about that. Oh, man. That's tempting. It really is tempting to see if we can book an interview. Because I bet he knows Daryl. <laughs> I mean, I want to talk to him. I he He's, oh, I he's would... who I, you know, my major takeaway of the movie. I love his character. You bet your ass. Sorry. <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. No, I mean, I'm talking about Joe Gipp. I know you're talking I'm... about Joe Gipp. Yes. But then, but then, you know. But just maybe... knowing like what Daryl would achieve after this, I would argue he's achieved more than Elizabeth Shue or Vincent D'Onofrio. Um, I think that's all relative. It's what, what were they trying to achieve? I guess. Good point. Good point. Uh, so Disney and Forbidden Cinema. Okay. We kind of mentioned this is on the Disney Channel. Right. How much do you know about Stories Matter? Stories Matter. Yes. Sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't. It's the Disney Plus service has kind of gone through great lengths to meet together with many different groups on representation. Okay, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, Actually, uh, Gina Davis is on the board. Mm. She's, you know, huge on representation. I read an article about that the other day. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, this movie passes the the Bechdel test. You have two women who have names who talk to each other about something other than a man. I mean, but they do talk to each other about a man. They do, but they talk about other things as well. They talk about her her stepmom and Drano and They talk about her being, <laughs> you know, about being a, a Chinese woman with no pants on shooting up. Uh, so that, that there's no man in that. That's true. Okay. This does pass the Bechdel test, but um, so there's a a content warning on some films. It says, rather than remove this content, we want to acknowledge its harmful impact, learn from it, and spark conversation to create a more inclusive future together. So some things they are airing completely unedited now. They've uh, restored Aladdin to its original form with the original lyrics for cut off your nose and they don't like your face. It's uh, Arabia is barbaric. I think they've restored some of those okay. things that are. Uh, they've got Peter Pan completely unedited. Oh, with the Red Man with the Native Red American Red Man Red. Yes, they've got uh, Dumbo completely unedited. Dumbo breaks my heart. I can't watch Dumbo. Yeah, it's. But there's some there's some not great race stuff. Yeah, going yeah, on yeah. in that. But they've actually come under a lot of uh, scrutiny and a lot of criticism though because. There are some things that they've completely edited. So they leave in the don't fool with the babysitter in this with no notes on there about it being edited from its original form. Um, mm. They've edited the Han and Greedo scene again. Wait, which one? The Star Wars Han shoots first, Greedo shoots first. Oh, they've gone oh. in and edited it yet again where now they sort of both shoot at the same time and Greedo screams McClunky. I've heard someone talk about that. Someone who's a big fan. Yeah. They've, like so so that it doesn't look like Han Solo murdered someone? Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, that was the big thing in the special editions when George Lucas did it that was like Han Solo kind of murders somebody, so they make Greedo like 
shoot at him first, but it's a it's a still frame and it's really <laughs> obvious and you can just the gun shot goes like right beside him and it's not good. Um, they've censored splash. They've just glued hair all over uh, Daryl Hannah's bits. They the rescuers they've removed kind of the nude woman in the window. Uh, that that's I think that's hilarious. I mean that's it's one frame. Leave it in. Like, like I I mean. No kid is going to go watch The Rescuers no. for that. No. Uh, the Simpsons, they removed the Michael Jackson episode with no mention of it. I don't think I'm aware of that one. There's a tall, fat, white guy at the mental institution where Homer is who thinks he's Michael Jackson and it's voiced by Michael Jackson. Well, Michael Jackson approved it. He voiced it. Well, but I think that's in lights of the Michael Jackson abuse. Okay. That they, they've chosen that it, to remove that. Uh, there's a scene in Story Tory that Toy Story 2 in the outtakes where Stinky Pete, I don't know the character that much. He's like the prospector. He's a minor prospector, whatever. He is asking two Barbie dolls to come back to his room to audition for a part of the next Toy Story. Oh, damn. (laughs) I don't know if I remember that or not. I don't think I've seen that since I saw it in the theater. Right, but so that scene has been completely removed. They've taken out the SFX from Aladdin or from The Lion King. Where they lay down in the... Mm-hmm. And people thought it said sex, but it was actually SFX. It was the sound effects department. That's silly. And yes, Adventures in Babysitting. They've taken out the... Uh, they say that Thor is a weirdo and don't fool with the babysitter. I mean, that still seems like parent stuff. Like, that doesn't seem... I mean, the Michael Jackson episode is one thing, but the rest of the stuff just, yeah, it just seems like... Like they're cutting out all the swearing and nudity, but leaving in all the uh, the culturally inappropriate stuff. Yeah, I don't know if that's great. I don't know. Um, I don't know. It feels like if we're gonna have a conversation, we should have a full conversation. But I don't know. I'm I don't. A, I don't know either. I'm not trying to. say I mean, that we're I not par- we're not parents, things. so maybe parents are like, I would like to choose one battle <laughs> <laughs> to have a conversation about, and that's fair. I totally get that. Yeah, good for them. I mean, you know. So ending on that, I guess. Uh, what else you got, babe? That's it for me. You you, you weren't even sure we were going to have one of these, that there was enough to support it. So I feel like we've got maligned women in history. We've got uh, we've got controversy. We've got. I didn't really get into anything for print on this. I didn't have a chance to read every Playboy from 1987 to see if they mentioned this. Uh, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you know, I feel like. I feel like we'll be all right on that. Is that our? Actually, actually, you know, like, I would have thought they would have mentioned it because they—that's a whole big plot point. Did they have any comment about her being a Playboy playmate? I... Did they say like Elizabeth Shue's too wholesome looking? We would never have her as a Playboy playmate. I looked at a couple issues right around the time of the release, and there was no mention that I could find. I looked kind of through all the the This Week in Cinema and the you know the, the letters and whatnot, and didn't see anything right around the time. So interesting. I know that newsstands are weird. On like the, the July issue is on newsstands in April or whatever. Right. So right. maybe I missed it. But I mean, I can go deep dive the that's entire eighties if that's that's fine. You don't have to. But they surely had to have licensed um, the Playboy name. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But uh, that's about it. It was uh, Siskel and Ebert gave it mixed reviews. Siskel said thumbs up. Ebert said thumbs down. And you know, I think we might have gone farther into this thing than anybody ever has. All right. Then we we can add it as a designation to the ends of our names that we are, you are, I'm not going to claim, to be uh, the world's foremost expert on adventures and babysitting. And if the 
what was it the, the silver dollar room ever opens back up we are we're gonna go to toronto i've been always looking for a reason to go to toronto and that and, seems like a good reason as any and and we might call what's his name we may call calvin levels we'll see what happens we'll see. Uh, that seems it's just that that's not my way of doing business You're, you might have to do that you're the cold caller in our relationship i'm not very good at that either but <laughs> all right all right so we're going to wrap it up. Um, so when you guys are hearing this, it is just about to be Valentine's Day. Sexy, sexy, or I don't know, whatever you feel about that. So we've been talking, and I think we're going to do Fatal Attraction as our special Valentine's Day episode. So stay tuned. Yeah, I've never seen it. All I know is one part that they gets replayed in Bridget Jones's diary. <laughs> Uh, I know there's a bunny, and I'm not looking forward to that. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. We've got kind of got bunnies in our backyard. Well, we'll we'll deal with that. But I know we're dealing. Michael Douglas is back on the game. This and, will be three for Douglas. Um, yes, three yeah. for Douglas, and welcome Glenn Close. Oh man, she go crazy in this. I think and she does, and she's uh, she she's she uh she with it um doing the butt at the with the Oscars. <laughs> yeah, love some Glenn Close. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for hanging in. Um, and yeah, check us out on Instagram, Forbidden Cinema. Shoot us an email, Forbidden Cinema Podcast at gmail.com. We'll love to know what you're doing for Valentine's Day. Uh, and yeah, we'll see you soon. Let us know what you want to hear. Let us know if something's resonating with you or we can't figure it out. There is absolutely no rhyme or reason that I can figure out to who's listening to what episode. So if there's something you want to hear, send a message and let us know. And we, we want to hear it. Yeah, let's do it. All right, guys. We'll till next week. Bye. Thanks. Bye.